Well, we're working our way through a series at the moment entitled The Unquenchable Worshipper, looking at what it means to be a true worshipper of God. And Donna began the series a couple of weeks ago looking um, at the heart of worship. And last week, looking at us being stripped away, coming back to what's at the core of ourselves as we come before God and come before him in repentance. And this week, we're going to look very briefly at the massive subject of reverence within our worship, which in a nutshell is is really thinking about and acknowledging who we are before God and who he is. And last week, we looked at one aspect of who we are before God. And this week, we'll take a short look at the other side of the coin as we think about God and who he is as we come to him in worship. There are many definitions um, of worship. One that I really uh, like and I've come across is this. It's the act of ascribing ultimate value to something in such a way that it engages our entire being. The act of ascribing ultimate value to something in such a way that it engages our entire being. And here's an illustration of what that might look at like in practice. Imagine, if you will, a woman who owns um, a necklace with a large pendant and a very large jewel on the end of it. And this necklace has been passed down through generations from her mother and her mother before her and her mother before her. And actually, no one really knows where it originally came from. No one really knows what it's worth. And to be honest with you, half the time, no one even really knows where it is. It's kind of kept at the back of a drawer somewhere. And one day, this woman pulls out this jewel and has a look at it and decides, well, she'd like to know what it's worth. So she takes it to a jeweler to appraise it. And he dusts it down and he puts his uh, little eyeglass in and he starts to examine it and he starts to think about it and use his skill and his knowledge. He looks at the way the light reflects off the facets of the jewel. He looks at its colors and its textures. And as he looks at it, his heart starts to beat faster. His smile appears on his face and he starts to exclaim. He realizes that what he holds in his hand is an amazing jewel that's been lost for generations, one of immense value, more value than anything he's ever held in his hand before. And he becomes so excited at this realization. And he communicates this to the woman, the owner of the jewel, who in turn becomes incredibly excited and emotional about what she has in front of her. But she suddenly realizes she hasn't been living in accordance with what she had. She didn't understand the true value of what she had in front of her. And as a result of this, her life is changed. Suddenly she decides to take care of this jewel. She looks at it. She thinks about it. She certainly knows where it is at all times. And maybe she even ensures it. And did you notice how realizing the true value of what they held engaged a response in the entire being of both the jeweler and the woman, their mind, their emotions, and also their will in terms of how the woman lived as a result of it. And these are three areas that can be engaged with us when we truly come before God in worship. We engage our mind. We engage our emotions, and hopefully it should have had change in our life as well. We need to be really careful that we don't live our spiritual lives in the way that is similar 
to this woman before she realized the value of what she held. Maybe we have a basic belief in God, in his existence. Maybe we come to church, maybe we even say the right things. But unless we really, truly realize the value of what it means to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, our worship will only ever be scratching the surface of what it could be. Once we realize the value of God, it should transform the way that we worship, both in the sense of how we come before God, maybe in a formal setting, within a church setting as we worship, but also in the way that we worship as we live our lives for him. Now, this isn't easy. None of us are perfect worshippers, but every time we choose to make a deliberate act of worship in our prayer, in our songs, in the way that we speak, in the way that we relate to others, it helps us just a little towards ascribing ultimate value to God, the one who really satisfies us when we deepen our relationship with him, the one who forgives us and welcomes us back when we fail him. So how do we learn about this true value of God? Well, one of the ways is in community. The Bible speaks a lot about the Christian life being something that we do together. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Unfortunately, over the last few months and maybe for the month and times to come, this is going to be difficult for us, meeting in person as a worshipping community. And I know a number of us have found this really difficult. And rightly so. We're built to be a body. We're built to be people that come together. And as we come together, we learn more about God from each other, from the way that others pray, from the other, others' experiences of God, of the way we worship together we learn more about our heavenly father and that's one of the things that we miss when we don't come together and one of the other ways that we learn about the true value of god is as we see his word revealed to us through scripture and we come to the passage that's been read to us today in colossians and it's a real wonderful piece of poetry this um, short passage in here. It's got a lovely symmetry to it when you look at what's said in the beginning verses and the end verses. And this passage is actually based upon the many meanings of the word head in the original language it was written. When you see things like the firstborn, the supreme one, the head of the body, the beginning. But Paul here isn't writing to the Colossians simply to display his literary prowess. He's writing this to tell the Colossians something that they badly need to know. And that is that if they're to grow as Christians in wisdom, in power, in patience, in thanksgiving, they need to know the centrality and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And the more they get to know this, and the more they get to know about Jesus and know Jesus, the more they'll understand who the true God is and what he's done and what it means to live in and for him. He's teaching them to ascribe ultimate value to God and in so become reverent worshippers of him. For instance, when you look at this passage, he is the image of the invisible God in verse 15. Through Jesus, we discover who God is. No one has ever seen God, but in Jesus, he's come near to us and become one of us something we celebrate, especially at Christmas time. 
And in verse 16, all things were created both through him and for him. He holds the old and the new world, the creation and the new creation together. The same one through whom the world was made is the same Jesus through whom the world has now been redeemed. He's the firstborn of all creation and the firstborn from among the dead. So just like the Colossians, as we engage with us and we reflect on passages like this, this is just one of the ways that can lead us to ascribe ultimate value to God and worship him with reverence for who he is and what he's done for us. And when we hear the word reverence, sometimes that can um, conjure up in our minds maybe quietness, maybe a posture, maybe our outward appearance. If we're honest, maybe something quite dull. But we need to be careful not to define reverence as something that's purely outward in nature. Although sometimes that can be a reflection of a reverent heart when we come before God in the quietness and in the stillness. Maybe something that we've lost in this generation is our posture before God, to kneel before him, to open our hands before him, to stand, to use posture, to show reverence for him. Maybe even for some, the outward appearance of how we come before God can be important, as long as it reflects what's on the inside. The Bible speaks a whole lot about actually God caring about what's on the inside, what's in our heart, more than what's in the outward appearance. And that's where our true reverence starts. To give reverence in our worship is to give honour and respect and awe, mixed with a little element of fear and wonder. It's to show humility as we stand before him, acknowledging who he is and who we are. But of course, this reverence and submission in godly fear is not contrary to the place of joy and thanksgiving and rejoicing in our worship. It was John Calvin who described reverence as the place where joy and fear are held together. Not the fear of trembling and despair, but the kind that cultivates awe and respect when contemplating God's holiness, his nearness, his grace and his love. The Bible talks about both those things, coming before God in reverence and awe, but coming before him with joy and thanksgiving. But our reverence for God in worship extends beyond just singing and prayers and meditation on scripture. We show reverence in the way in which we view the created world in which we live and to which we've been entrusted, the way we treat the world and its resources. We show reverence for God through that. We also demonstrate it through our relationships with others. If you look in passages in like Philippians, at the beginning it talks a lot about how we should be relating to others in our lives and considering others better than ourselves. And that starts by considering that God is greater than ourselves. And that's the start of worship. And another element of demonstrating true reverence in worship is that it can sometimes recognize the high value of God and his worth. And it can help us to see the bigger picture when times are hard, when life seems stacked up against us. 
There are times when we need to cry out to God and ask for his help in healing. But at other times, like the psalmist in, in Psalm 57, we just need to recognize the high beauty of God and to worship him in reverence. There's a great passage from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and with this I finish this morning. It's not in the films, so you have to read it for yourself in the book. But Frodo, the hero of our story, has a faithful companion, Samwise Gamgee, who follows him on his quest to destroy the ring. And they are almost overcome by all the evil and all the troubles around them. And one night, Sam is unable to sleep. And the passage says this, Sam struggled with his own weariness, and there he sat silent till deep night fell. The land seemed full of creaking and cracking and sly noises, and far above them in the west, the night sky was dim and pale. But there, peeping among the clouds above a dark tor, high up in the mountains, Sam saw a white star twinkle for just a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. His song in the tower had been defiance rather than hope. But now, for a moment, his own fate and even his master's ceased to trouble him. He laid himself by Frodo's side and putting away all fear, he fell into a deep and untroubled sleep. In this passage, Sam realized that there was light and there was high beauty forever beyond the reach of all the evil that he was experiencing. But in the end, all the evil and the troubles that he was experiencing were just a little blip and he found hope and rest. And when we experience, maybe in just a small part, what it is to reverently come before God in worship, to recognize and ascribe ultimate value to him for all he is and all he's done for us. When we see the light and the high beauty of God in all his majesty and glory, then the troubles of today and the uncertainties of the weeks and the months to come start to fade just a little bit and we can find hope and rest. My prayer today for myself and for all of us is that within our lives we can recognise just something of the light and the high beauty of God and that we can increasingly ascribe ultimate value to him in such a way that engages our entire being and that day by day we learn more of what it is to be joyful, reverent worshippers in every aspect of our lives. Amen.